Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the Giant Comedy Report wherever you get your podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Empire Media, A M P I R E. When you get there, hit that like button, hit that, hit that subscribe button, and we'll keep rolling. Today, I'm wrapping up the August 2nd practice, first full day of pads. And that's noteworthy because the intensity does increase. Now, it's not like it was back in the day where guy, where teams would have live hitting. In fact, I remember covering this team when they'd have a full inter-squad scrimmage where you really learned about guys. You do learn more during these workouts, but you don't see the live tackling. You hear collisions. There will be, there's more full pops, but you're not tackling and driving guys to the ground. But what you do see are more competitive one-on-one situations. They did have inside drill, run drill, um, full line versus line backs. You know, I think it was like nine on nine. You do see that. And so you get to see like, how do guys block? How are the young tight ends blocking? And you see the one-on-ones versus with the offensive line versus defensive line in pass rush situations. So you get to learn some things there as well. I'll get more into that in a minute. And you see the one-on-ones with the D-backs and the, and the uh, wide receivers. So, and, and then also pass, pass blocking uh, with the running backs against the linebackers. So you do learn things when you're watching this, but it's not necessarily because it, and it, it pads being on allows them to get to these drills. So that's where you start to learn some things. And that's what I like about this. When you start to, the hard part is as a reporter, you'll see the one-on-ones with the O-line, D-line going on at the same time as the seven-on-sevens are going on on the other half of the field. Or you want to watch the defensive backs against the receivers, but at the same time, the inside run drill is going on. So sometimes you alternate where you're putting your eyes. Sometimes you alternate days. Say like, okay, I watched the corners and the receivers yesterday. I need to watch the inside run drill because I want to watch how is Cole Turner progressing as a blocker, that kind of stuff. But the intensity does increase because it's another step in the process. Just not the same as it was way back when, but still another step. Before we get going, I have to address too, Curtis Samuel did not practice again today. So that's a couple straight, a few days in a row now. And again, they say it's part of the plan. What I'm going to just tell you, watch with your eyes. So we don't know what's going to happen when he's out there multiple days in a row and can get through three or four days in a row of practice without having to sit out a couple of days. If you sit out a vet rest day, get it. But if you have to sit out multiple days, is there an issue or is that really part of a plan? So again, just let's go by the actions at this point more than anything else. And again, before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit about Taylor Heineke um, for no reason other than I, every day he's coming out before practice and going through some warm-up drills that he learned while visiting a, a quarterback coach um, Adam Dato out in California, a guy that Carson Wentz works with and a lot of other quarterback or other quarterbacks work with. And so uh, Taylor went out there uh, specifically to help increase his arm strength. It is a big knock on him and he's got a lot going for him, but that arm strength is an issue. So he went out there. So one of the things he does before practice, he walks up and down the field, just kind of working out, but he has like two pound balls in his, in his hands. And he kind of just rotates like this as he's walking down with both hands. So really, hold on for a second, it looks like this. 
and you walk up and down the field with that again, two pound balls. One sometimes it's two pound balls in each hand. Sometimes it's one, a two, and a one, and then sometimes it might be a baseball. But that stuff is to get to loosen up the shoulder and to work some of those muscles. And then you see some of the hip movement design, similar to what you'd see, not quite to the level of the Dak Prescott, but something along those lines, emphasizing the hips because for for Heineke, he needed to increase the shoulder strength and then also the ability to get more torque into his throws as well. And one thing I noticed with him is he does, he is doing a better job of getting his entire body into the throws. So you're not, and he definitely said he sees an increase in his velocity with some of his throws. I think, well, let's see how in games, when you see it and various throws, if we see him, when we see him in the preseason, some of those deep outs, for example, and there were times last year where McClellan would be wide open. He has to wait on the ball. So I think, you know, let's see where it goes, but this is why he feels better about his game. Is the arm strength, has he increased enough to be more than just a, an effective backup? We'll see. I don't, I don't know that we're there yet, but I will say he's had a pretty solid camp. You can tell that he has a good timing in this offense because he's been in it now for a couple of years. So I would expect him to look pretty good as far as, you know, in his role. And, and I think he has. So, but I would just want to pass along some of the arm strength stuff because that was a point of emphasis for him this offseason. And he's watching him incorporate it into some of the early or the pre-practice routine. Um, and Carson Wentz does some of that stuff, but Taylor Heineke is always one of the first ones out here doing that. All right, so let's get let's get going. As far as Wentz goes, and again, a lot been a lot made about his accuracy. And it's funny because when I talk to people here, nobody seems to be all that worried about it. I think you know you hear things about again. I told you yesterday we're still working on the timing of things, and and I get that. Um, I think there is a difference between seeing that in eleven eleven, and I think to me one of the issues is that even on on air he can be inconsistent with this rose. I thought today he was better with some of that even on air. And I don't like to make a big deal out of on air, but when you see it up and down, then I think it becomes something you talk about. But in the seven on seven, Wentz was almost perfect. I think the only pass that I saw incomplete was a drop by Brian Robinson, who I actually like his hands, but he did drop this ball. That was the only one I saw from Wentz that was incomplete. Then you put him in the full team drills and that's where there were some issues. So, and I was talking to a veteran coach after practice about this. And again, they weren't worried about it all because I think for them, it's a, it's a function of getting pressure in his face. And then also one coach, like, you know, sometimes these veteran quarterbacks, you just want to get rid of the ball. If you hold on the ball or if you fall through a different way, then you, you risk hitting your hand on a helmet. Now, how much of that is all there? You can buy whatever you want of that. Again, just like I said with Samuel, the proof will be once we get to the games, what does it look like? It has to improve. So, but I think, like I said, seven on seven looked really good. 11 on 11, more up and down. See where it goes from there. Let's get to some one-on-one. So, um, Benjamin Singh Juice against Jahan Dotson, again, in one-on-ones. Um, I'm going to look at some of my notes so I got this right. First time off the ball, St. Juice was good. Good position, physical. Prom came, and this is one thing that you see with young defensive backs a lot is where they put their hands as the guy, as the receiver cuts. So Dotson cuts inside and St. Juice is all over him, but he's grabbing his pads up high. It's going to be a clear pass interference. If you remember, Bashad Breland had that issue back in the day, but you see it a lot with the young defensive backs. I saw Christian Holmes would have been flagged for that as well 
in one of these drills. And, and, I, and that's just something to watch. But I will say, St. Juice, the next time he made a play, he um, read the receiver perfectly and he kept his hand down low. So if you're going to keep, if you're going to grab on the guy, you want to grab a lower out of the vision of the officials, but a really nice job by him on that one. I think that was against Dax Milne. One thing, yeah, that was against Dax Milne. One thing on that particular route, what the coaches like is how it's not just the coverage, it's you pushed his angle higher away from the ball. So that forced the quarterback to throw a kind of a different pass than he was anticipating. And it was incomplete because of it, but it was because of the way St. Juice played it with his leverage inside. And then the way he was able to push the receiver further outside and off his intended angle. That's where he really excelled in that play. And by the way, with Dotson, he is working some as a punt returner, um, along with a few others, including Dax Milton and a veteran Alex Erickson and uh, Jacques Azard. Um, but so Dotson's getting some work there when they, whenever they do that. But the one thing, too, that you saw today, and they ran a jet action with him, I think he's going to be a bigger threat on the jet than some of the guys they've had in the past. And it's why, like, if you don't have Curtis Samuel, I think they have the depth of the skill talent, I believe, believe to absorb whatever, um, to absorb if Samuel has to miss time. But on one particular jet route today, jet action um, runs a jet, gets to a bubble action. A lot of the defense slides way over and they hit McKissick with a handoff to the other side and he would have gotten a nice run. And by the way, I did want to, and I'm just going to talk about this a little bit, but I'll talk about it now since I mentioned his name with McKissick. I think I told you yesterday that coaches like don't sleep on him as a between the tackles runner, especially with a team that feels now it can spread the defense with four receivers, um, whether it's three receivers and Logan Thomas or whatever, but that's where they can hit McKissick between the tackles in those sets. So don't be surprised because I think McKissick's having a good camp and I think he can be continue to be a very valuable player for them. When he was when he was out last year, it was a no, he and Thomas especially a noticeable drop on. So let's get back to um the one-on-ones, Christian Holmes against Deami Brown. Um again, in in this one, there was one play like all right. This is where I think a veteran or rookie's lack of knowledge comes into play. Veteran's knowledge would have come into play. So off the ball, Holmes was clearly waiting for Brown to kind of stem into a route, right? Waiting for that bait. Brown had no intention to do that and just buzzed right by him. Wentz hits him in stride with a perfect throw. And it was just his speed. It was all De'Ami Brown's speed. And I think Brown, again, has to, if they lose Samuel for any length of time, it, or if he has to miss time, if he's not healthy, they need Brown to develop. He did have another route earlier. I think that it was in, um, I can't remember if it was in seven on seven or full team. And I'll get to it in a minute, but it was a good throw, a little bit low, but it was away from the defense. And Brown had a nice, did a nice job on his route, but then he dropped the ball. And so you've got to finish that play. But he does look different in camp. He does look like he's running more confident. And that's a good thing. And he talked about that in the spring. So that's something that's good. But you got to finish the play because if he does, he can be a big threat for them. Um, and so there you go. Let's go to the O-line, D-line, some of what we saw there. And again, it's one-on-one -on -one pass rush. So you know they're going to rush. The, they're rushing the passer. They're not trying to run block here. So the D-line kind of knows you're, you're getting after it. Both sides. Um, John Allen against Andrew Norwell. Allen won that pretty decently three different times. Um, drove him back. Allen has looked really good um, throughout, you know, today he had a really good day. 
but he, but in that one-on-one, he clearly won, went 3-0. and Sam Cosme against Montez Sweat. Last year, if you recall, Cosme struggled with Sweat and Chase Young. It's indoctrination in the NFL. He has not stood out in that way this year. There you see a difference in Sam Cosme, and I saw it in the, in the, in the couple reps against Sweat. Felt like the first time, very patient, took a good angle, so we allowed him to be patient. And then when Sweat starts to commit, Cosme gets his hands up. And it was just a nice job by him. Got the nice punch on there after Sweat commits. Road rides him out. Another time, it looked like Sweat may have got, may have started to get the corner on him, but I felt like Cosme rode his rode Sweat out enough. So if a quarterback's in the pocket, you just step up and you're going to avoid the sack. He was so Cosme looked different against Sweat on these rushes. One veteran who really struggled, guy who may not make the roster, but was Nolan Loffenberg, did not have a good one-on-one pass or pass blocking. Period. Talked about J.D. McKissick. Let's get to Antonio Gibson. So one of the things that I'm curious to see, and I, you saw it a little bit today, and I want to see more of this, but I'm going to pass it along because it's what I saw in a couple of runs where I felt like he was better with his shoulder pad level. And that was a point of emphasis of his in the offseason. It's been a big point of emphasis with them for their, his first two years in the NFL. If he runs like that, that's going to be a good thing for them. The more he's able to lower his shoulder and get those extra yards, I think that will be a good thing. And, you know, and I'm going to pay attention to that to see, is he doing it consistently? Because you see others that do it. Brian Roberts definitely does it. And again, I love J.D. McKissick between the tackles. And part of it is with McKissick, it's his, he has really good vision, but he's so quick to cut, so quick to cut. And that separates him, but it allows him in those spread situations, especially to get some extra yards because of his cutting ability. And again, with Gibson, I just saw him a couple of times run a little bit lower. Big point of emphasis, saw it out there today on a couple of these runs. We'll pay attention to that to more or more in the future. Um, saw a lot of five-man fronts. They've been using those a lot. As you know, that's been a key part of their, a big part of their defense, or at least a part of their defense. And when they were in those five-man fronts today, Montez Sweat a lot of times was standing up, sometimes on the left, sometimes on the right. A couple of times dropped off into coverage where he looks like he's going to fake come on the rush, drops into the flat. And, and he, one time he got J.D. McKissick on it. It was not a one-on-one coverage. Your responsibility is the flat. and various blitzes, if you want to make those work, you're going to drop a guy like that if you're going to run a zone blitz. So, but that's what he did. He has the athleticism to do that, and he did it well. So, there you go. Oh, and the last guy I want to talk about is Fidarian Mathis, the second round pick. And I'm going to bring him up, not because he's done anything spectacular. To be honest, you really haven't noticed him a ton. And what you know, and I don't think that he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to jump out in a flashy way during this camp. He's not a pass rush dude. Um, that's not his strength. When you see him, there's more power. And so, you know, um, I think you're going to see more of the ability to occupy guys or maybe create some habit with some, what he's really good at with the stunts and, and taking two defenders allowed someone to come inside. I also wonder for him, and I've got to talk to him about this, is the transition from the two gap to more of a one gap. And again, they can have him two gap at times with others doing one gap. But there is a difference and there's a mindset that comes with it that John Allen and Deron Payne kind of had to work their way through. So, and I think they were a little bit more advanced as pass rushers coming out than Mathis was. So I don't know that this camp is set up for him to really, really be flashy. And so we'll see how he progresses in games. Um, And those one-on-ones, you know, 
so is power. That's what he is. He's a power guy. So, hey, we'll pay more attention to that as the preseason gets underway in, in about a week and a half. So there you go. That's the practice report for August 2nd. I will be back on Wednesday with another report. I'll talk to you next time.